0: Welcome to the Fuel, Lift, Thrive podcast, where we talk all things fitness, no-nonsense nutrition, and lifestyle transformation for the modern-day woman who's ready to quit the diets, ditch the scale obsession, and fall in love with being strong. Hosted by yours truly, Alessia Donato opinionated italian lover of all things iron who also happens to be a certified personal trainer nutrition coach life coach and owner of the body by less online nutrition and fitness program so grab yourself a coffee as we get open and honest about what it takes to build a strong fit and healthy body and mind from the inside out Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Fuel, Lift, Thrive podcast. I am super excited. I have a special guest with me today. Um, Megan Lay coach Megan Lay she's joining me for an exciting episode and I'm honored to have her on the podcast and she's going to be sharing with us her journey through bodybuilding competing and how she made her way back to health from the world of bodybuilding shows and we'll talk a little bit about uh, you know, healthy uh, lifestyle, but mostly how to pursue, you know, fat loss, but still stay healthy. And also we're going to touch on things like um, fitness and and how it looks different on everybody. So welcome Megan. How are you doing today?
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. It's a really passionate topic. So I really appreciate you giving me the floor to share.
0: Yeah. So tell us, basically, I'm going to give it to you. Tell us who you are and how you became a coach. Just a little bit of a background on who you are.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I, I grew up um, as an active kid. I did swim team, horseback riding, ballet, tap, jazz. I was very busy. My therapist was like, did you ever sleep? It was a like, good question. You know, um I did love to be active my mom wanted me to find what I was really passionate about which ended up being soccer and music um um, but so when I went to college is when I found I was going to be a park and rec major like a park ranger and then I really which is completely different career path uh, I was really passionate about like trees and birds and outdoors and just wildlife. And then I took an intro to nutrition class and uh, it really just hit me. I was like, wow, this is what I really want to learn more about. Cause I had been already trying to figure out how to eat healthy and lose weight in high school and kind of developed some eating disorder tendencies early on as age 15 and 16. Um, and going to school and getting my degree in nutrition was actually really helpful. It did help. It didn't really get rid of the disorder behaviors by any means, which got exacerbated later on in bodybuilding, which we'll talk about, but it did help me see through some of the, like, I understood carbohydrates and their importance. I understood more about food and how it can fuel me as an athlete, which I did not have before getting my degree in nutrition. So it really did help me and inspire me to like, talk to others, help them with their form. And just like, I literally just wanted to help people have more success and that's literally just been, I see myself as like a wounded warrior. Like when I get taken down by something and I want to get back up and then help others, maybe not fall as hard. Yeah. And that's why I'm excited to share this journey. So, you know, I grew up in the fitness. I've always loved it, but I was teased a lot growing up. I was bullied a lot. I had headgear. I had braces. I played the violin. So there's a lot of reasons they picked on me. And I think that is some of the root of this like disordered behavior. I really wanted to prove myself that I was worthy. And I think a lot of that as women and growing up in the late nineties and two thousands, there yep. was a lot of like, lo- you know, a lot of really, really thin was the in um, sure. straight hair, you know, so it was a lot of pressure, the low rise jeans. So it was just, uh, yeah, I think a lot of us are dealing with the aftermath of uh, what the magazines and medias and MTV were putting out. So that was what I grew up with, um, but I, Was mostly centered on functional fitness most of my career, which I think is what we'll circle back around with at the end when we talk about body neutral fitness. And that is just celebrating what your body is capable of doing. There's so many awesome reasons to work out. And most of my career was focused on improving balance, improving flexibility, like working with clients and doing really good things. Um, But I do think I personally always wanted to look a certain way. And that's why bodybuilding was so attractive to me is I really thought it was like, I'm very competitive. I love a goal and I had had it on my radar. Yeah. But it wasn't until one of my clients started uh, competing. She was like a group fitness client. I managed the yeah. gym. So it wasn't a one-on-one and that's why I decided to do it. I said, well, if you're doing it, I've always wanted to, so we're going to do it together. And that's kind of how it got started.
0: Interesting that's so interesting Uh, I really relate with you know being a 90s kid because that's pretty Mm -hmm. much the same for me I'm you know 35 and that was when the you know we'd all collect those magazines like Cosmo Girl and um, you know those teen magazines and they were so bad weren't they like just now they if you would read them now I I mean probably they're still just as bad but I feel like they, they just really screwed with our heads and, and just gave us such unhealthy uh, expectations on body image, on beauty, on growing up and like even on relationships. It was interesting how, you know, was, they would, there was always had this column where people would like write in questions about how to like get the guy to like you. And there was just so much shit and crap. Yeah, and
1: now if we really think about it, If you really think about it, you're like,
0: whoa, um,
1: and because we didn't have our phones, we weren't glued to our phones, but we were still getting influenced by media. I didn't have Google, so I wasn't looking up a diet. I was, um, but I did the smart start diet or the special K diet where I like, like, where I did that for breakfast and lunch for a, a reasonable, sensible portion and uh that's where, and that's why like you know, down my health career, I found an MLM company okay. that swapped out meals for shakes.
0: Mm,
1: and it made so much sense to me at the time for a couple of reasons. One, because of my history with the special K diet, and I was like, Oh yeah, Nutrisystem, um, Slim fast like there's just like endless programs like this. Yeah. And when I was managing that boot camp gym. I saw people spending $169 a month Mm -hmm. and they worked out really hard, but they weren't getting the results because they weren't dialing in nutrition. And I just wanted to make it easy for them. Mm. So I just said, just don't eat, just have a shake. So I came from a good place, but because I was in my own disordered viewpoints, of course. And so we'll talk about that. Like, how do we protect? Like I look back at what I did. There's so much cringe worthy stuff that I put on my story blogs that I posted because I fell even with a degree in food and nutrition. Even with years and certifications out the wazoo, I still fell into disordered behaviors, body dysmorphia, yeah. and it came through in my coaching, whether I wanted it to or not. And when I went into therapy for eating disorder, like down like in 2020, you know, I've had a hard talk with like, I, you know, with my whole MLM team, I, you know, I've really, I stopped, I broke up with the entire company. I've just changed wow. and dropped and shifted my identity so much. I see things so differently now. Mm. And, um, but I knew in my heart, I really believed in what I was doing when I was doing it. I had the best intentions. So I have to forgive past self, yes. you know, forgive me. Yeah. I, I used to promote yeah. detoxes, babe. And, you know, I loved your post yesterday. Like, I know. So it's like I have to forgive past self. So if you follow me on Instagram and if you see any of my sass, guys, I'm calling out my old self. If there's anyone I'm calling out, it is five years ago me. Okay. So please, who is she talking about?
0: Yeah. It's so true. How far I've come. Exact same. Like, I so relate to that because. And I think that's why I really wanted you on the podcast because we, we you know, our stories are so similar. Um, and it's so true. Like I've also been there when I started my journey, you know, before I even became a coach, I was obsessed with body, uh, beach body and um, their workouts. And, you know, I'm not going to like dig too much at them because they do, like they had some great programs initially in my journey, like it really got me started. But um, I did go down the rabbit hole uh, of overtraining and being too obsessed with um, getting really, really skinny. And I was at my skinniest when I was doing those programs. And when I was, you know, eating like paleo and there's, you know, there's pros and cons to all these diets, but that got me into disordered eating. And then I, I became mm-hmm. a vegan and you know, there's a whole kind of rabbit hole there as well. But what I'm really curious about is how, like, tell me a little bit more more about what got you into bodybuilding. I know you said that, you, you know, you're one of your clients got you started and you did it kind of together. So tell me, like, what was it about competing that you really wanted to pursue? And how was the whole experience? Like, take us through it because I'm not a competitor um I've considered it but I'm just I've I've never really gone through it so I really want to get to know a little bit about the story behind it
1: well yeah so it was a client who was all in and I was like well if you're gonna do it and if she can do it I can do it that's always been my attitude I've never really been to the jelly bean girl even when i was like knee deep in my eating disorder in high school working out uh, two or three times a day when i saw someone working out i'd always say hard i'd be like well if she can do it i can do it so i i looked at all these individuals and said well they're doing that like i want to do that i can do that i'm capable of doing that and i'm actually going to win but i was decided that i was going to win <laughs> which is hilarious because i am half hippie half sporty spice and your girls never worn five inch heels. So that was, I, there's a video on my Instagram. I will damn it to you where I am I can't believe I, I was, I didn't know I was so ignorant to how bad I was. I posted it. I hadn't gone to a posing coach. I was just like strutting her, like, yeah. That was probably the hardest part of competing is getting like, being able to pose, being able to walk with confidence in five inch heels while you're also really freaking hungry dehydrated and like um you know in the lights and people so yeah so i think there's so many really cool things that come from the experience just like any sport because you end up like getting to know other competitors and while you might be on the stage with them at some point and like actually competing against them yeah most of the experience is not Petty. I had a great time getting to know the other girls. We were really all in it together. We really supported each other and had lots of jokes about prep brain and just how truly really terrible the whole experience <laughs> can be. Uh, but also, like, you know, yeah, we're together. There's a lot of togetherness in the sport. And I really did appreciate that and getting to know the community and the posing. I, I was really fortunate to have one of the best posing coaches in the region of Oregon where I was living. I worked with him every Saturday in a group posing dynamic. And so I spent $50 a class there. So competing is very expensive, cost th- like at least $1,000. And I didn't really know that going into it, at least. Because um, look, the, the little suit you're gonna rent likely is $200, $250. If you buy a suit, it'll be 800. The tan is like 200. The hotel, the registration fees, Mm -hmm. the food, the gym, you know, it just adds up the gym gear, your little ankle bands, your little booty, you know, all the things you're going to need your gym bag, your sups, you know? Um, I really think I, the main drive for me was I think acceptance and worthiness. And I wanted to be seen as an elite athlete. I wanted to be seen. I just wanted to be accepted because I've been bullied my whole life. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be seen as good enough instead of, and, and I've always and I've been driven by an external validation, learning that the hard way. Um, cause I, I, you know, for some reason, you know, if someone asked me like, what was the hardest part of competing? Mm. And I actually told her it was the mindset afterwards. It actually, for me, competing wasn't hard. I grew up, you know, studying biochemistry and orchestra and ballet tap and jazz. I mentioned that I was very disciplined but I had lots of structure. So for me, bodybuilding felt very normal. I, 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 I liked having, okay, I'm, I, I was working out six days a week. I was doing all this cardio, I was eating just as much. I was like literally following the rules. I wanna be a good girl. So that's how I became disordered very quickly. Uh, is actually very, like if you eat the wrong food, your body's gonna blow up. You're not gonna look right. You're gonna ruin your stage look. There's a lot of pressure. Wow. Especially peak week. Like if you mess up, if you don't do what your coach says to the T then, and that was, that's, I don't know what it's like for other competitors. This was just my brain. Cause I wanted to win. I didn't want to let myself down. I didn't want to be mad that I wish I would have done that. Or I would have done that. Cause like, that's uh, how I felt every, I did 90 minutes of cardio a day, listening to like motivational speaks. I was like crying. You're like, you know, whatever, like it was to get the music in the background, you know, just like having a moment on the Stairmaster as I was eating. I was eating 89 grams of carbs per day. As I was, it was like, I look back at my stories and I see why I ended up with hypothyroidism, adrenal dysfunction, and a lot of other issues. I, I didn't have a coat, you know, and, and, and what I wanted to say is like the mindset afterwards as well of like, mm normalizing eating, normalizing, having a little bit of body fat, because once you get that lean and that shredded um, and that conditioned, and you see so many lines and so many veins, and you can just see all your hard work, uh, that's the hardest part. And I bet any competitors can be honest about the body dysmorphia as once you just get back to 16%, 18%, 19% body fat, they're all freaking
0: out. Which isn't even, I that was really like, oh, like that's, I mean, uh, which isn't even that, that high. high. Like I that, know that's really low, isn't it? Like I know a woman anyway.
1: So I know, they're like, crazy. I'm fluffy. I'm like, you're not fluffy. You're not fluffy. Yeah. I was like, I, I look back at when I was feeling so uncomfortable in my body because I was, um, you know, back up a little bit at like 1800 calories. And I still am so lean. When I look back, I was I'm still 35 pounds lighter than I am now. And I was still struggling with how it looked. And that's what I mean by the mindset afterwards is just coming back into like still 22, 20, 20% is an athletic lean for female. Yeah. I looked freaking phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any bulging at all. Like, like, it was just like literal, I was on a hormonal birth control. So I didn't really have a cycle pulse to check on. So we didn't really have any indication on where I, I didn't have a period. So I didn't need to worry about that. And that I think is why I was really able to avoid Checking under the hood for as long as I did, because I was suppressing a lot of stuff, right? That's what all those are, suppressive diets. So I think somehow the bodybuilding and fitness competition world has created an illusion that these people are health ambassadors in some way.
0: That is so (laughs) that you say that because that's actually what I wanted to talk a little bit about because I feel look I've been in the industry for I would say six years but I stepped foot in the gym when I was like 16 years old that was the first time I went into the gym I did you know I had a personal trainer and I did like aerobics class and then I got into the body pump and the Les Mills so that was kind of and then obviously beach body, and then that turned into CrossFit and then here we are today um, being a coach but you know i i don't know if it's because of social media i think a large part of it is because of social media, because the fitness industry has, is so big on social media um, and influencers, uh, fitness influencers, fitness personalities, you know, these people that aren't actually coaches that don't actually work with human beings. They're just pretty and they have great genetics, but it's just thrown in our face um, so much. This look, this particular look, which is extremely unrealistic, um, women that are walking around with like 12% body fat all year round, taking pictures on, you know, and, and, and videos and workout videos, and they look phenomenal. Like I'm not going to lie, but it just, it puts this, this complete halo that of this is what fitness looks like. And, when you, you know, you look at somebody who's in, in a healthier state, um, you think that they're overweight or you think that they're not lean enough. And so I wanted to talk about that um, because in my opinion, that's really not what fitness is about. Um, so in terms of like the bodybuilding journey that you went through, the competing, um, you know, how, how did that affect your your body image you know you did say you, you ended up with that like negative body image and that body dysmorphia but how did you come out of that like what what steps did you take to sort of reverse that damage really that that did to you
1: so such a good question i want to clarify for the listeners about what the journey actually looked like so i did four competitions Okay. Over the course of from 2017 to almost the end of 2018, so it was under two years. I did four preps. <laughs> so without a proper coach and mentorship, I don't. No one would have done that. I was very new competitor. I don't have a lot of mass on me. Mm-hmm. There was no reason to diet down. Yeah. Because I didn't have a like the thing is, is it, I honestly think it's. Not everyone can diet down like that, but it's actually easier to diet down and get really lean than I think it is to actually grow muscle as a female and be comfortable enough with that process. That's actually harder. Bodybuilders do it. Pro bodybuilders do it. And I wasn't, I wasn't, it's not all bodybuilding. It was, I had predisposed, already had eating disorders in high school. And I just didn't have a good mentor to kind of guide me to probably say, I should never, I probably should have never stepped foot on the stage. And then if I was going to do it, I should have hired a coach that would have ran my labs would have done a full thyroid panel would have been, um, having me track my basal temperature, having some sort of indication on what's going on with my thyroid health. Um, someone talking to me about my binging, maybe shifting me, recommending me outsourcing me to just eating disorder, specialist coaches, I don't think have um, enough training on the red flags. I know it's a hard conversation to have like, Hey, I think I need to fire you and hand you off to a, where we have to stay in our own lane. Um, so I, I don't, I, you know, I, I went from coach to coach to coach because I was struggling so hard after bodybuilding because my body wasn't responding anymore to the same stimuli that I had done. And so that was what really. I was so confused. I was eating 1,500 calories, which was as low as I, not as as low as I had gone, but as low as I was willing to go anymore. I was working out six days a week, lifting. I was doing cardio every day, only about 30 minutes a day, but still in my world. And this was in 2020, after I'd competed many years. I was like, I'm doing everything. I was literally eating the same meal every the same six meals every day, weighing everything out doing I mean that's what got me to like the like I wasn't even doing if it fits your macros I was literally doing a meal plan uh-huh. eating the same meals that my coach said because I just wanted this so bad so bad and I would literally have to set a timer and I was only allowed to eat every three hours and I'd be so hungry I'd want to eat after an hour and a half and I'd be like you have another hour and a half you can't eat it was just like so rough but I was such a good little girl I was packing all my food in little plastic containers just never eating any other meals outside of it but my weight kept going up, but my weight kept going up. Sorry. My dog's back. Right. And, uh, and I was cold all the time. My hair was falling out. Yeah. There was lots of indications that like my check engine light was on, if you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was ignoring it because nothing was more important than how I looked like my body ached. I had a hip injury. There were these injuries that I had occurred during my bodybuilding career, like a torn bicep tendon that I I was just ignoring because I didn't want to put the brakes on. That meant I could gain weight. And I didn't realize that, like, if you are working out because you fear gaining weight, how healthy is that? How healthy is it? And that's really, that's how I got help is I realized I had just gotten married. I love my husband. And I realized how much of my brain was being sucked into did I track those six almonds oh my gosh! like I just was that's all I thought about I was like like I'm getting goosebumps talking about how much it took up in my brain in my life and I wanted to I just realized I want to live different life I want to spend time with my husband we were in Japan I wanted to go out to eat I wanted to like enjoy food in Japan I wanted to like go hike Mount Fuji and I have to pack all my meals and like check in with my coach you know just trying to find a healthier relationship with exercise again so I quit. I had paid $800 to work with that meal plan bodybuilder coach. Mm-hmm. I quit on that. I was like, you know what? And I enrolled in therapy, even though like I took it as a, my husband called it a sunk cost. He said, babe, don't worry about the money. I know you need help. And we went and spent more money with another coach and it, she's uh, incredible And she's actually, uh, she's a mindset coach for bodybuilders and she has an eight week self-development program for competitors and it is life-changing. I had found her before I competed, or I think I just, I think if anyone wants to bodybuild, they need to get in touch with Celeste Prince I can like send you her Instagram and the notes. She's an incredible human. She's doing great work for the body. She does uh, confessions of the IFBB pro uh, podcast, which is huge. So she really does. Yeah. You got to check it out. She really does bring the mindset, the awareness, um, good stuff to the sport. Mm. So it can be a healthier experience for individuals. And I love her to death. She changed my life. She's so fun and uh, she's really an incredible human. So she helped me so much with that eight week course. And then she also had a four week food relationship program that I did, which was revolutionary. So I spent over a thousand bucks both between both programs but how much did we spend on bodybuilding? Right. Yeah. Right. So it's like, so funny, all my suit, all my tan. (laughs) a thousand dollars for a coach changed my life. I'd spend it over again. I'd probably get so much out of it, even doing it again. Mm -hmm. Um, she really helped me, you know, I would say if I have two lessons to take away from my bodybuilding competition, Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, the art, the art of becoming is truly what success is the journey of the prep was actually the fun part. Because man, you're up on stage for four freaking minutes. You're yeah. maybe five. If I'm like, wait, what? I just like literally dieted and did all that cardio like for 24 weeks. It's done. Prejudging's done. Good luck. Hopefully you got placement you were looking for. It's like blows my mind. And you're just like literally up there, basically naked, getting compared. It's like crazy. The actual experience that you train for, to me, it just blew my mind. And it actually felt pretty empty up there. It didn't really feel like what I was seeking, actually, like even when I won, not even when I was getting uh, judged, but later on when I won, I was standing up there with the trophy, with the sword and just feeling like, hmm, okay, so that was it, you know, and that's when I, that's when it really hit me. I called my mom and was like disappointed about it. And that's when I knew I was just like, my energy was in the wrong place. If I was on stage, I want to be because I like really did some impact in the world not because I like starve myself for sport and like have a gorgeous physique
0: it's so amazing like this just the the whole journey because like I you know I follow some really amazing competitors and they're like the top of their class, and they're doing it pretty you know again, like I'm not living with them, so I don't know but right. from from what you see on the, on the outside, it seems like they're doing it you know, the right way and stuff. And, and they're at the top of their class and whatever, but I still, there's something that still just doesn't sit right with me with competing. And it just, you know, I, I know it's a sport and I know that it's popular and I know that it's, it's, it takes incredible amounts of discipline, and dedication and commitment. Um, and it really does change people. Um, but it just doesn't seem like, I think that's the thing, right? That I think that the end goal, like getting up on there, is not really what it's about. It's about how you become mm-hmm. and who you become in the process and what you learn. And also, you know, perhaps if people that are listening, you know, that are interested most of my listeners are not on that level anyway but in the sense that you know it's not just about competing like even just getting to that level of leanness um and and even pursuing such a drastic restrictive plan to get there is it really worth it like why are you doing it why are we pursuing this unnatural um level of of how our body looks it our body was never meant to be that lean women's bodies even men's bodies to be fair but like women's bodies in particular like our bodies are not meant to be that lean um they're not me- meant to be put through that kind of stress and the repercussions you know even if you try and do it well there are still some negative repercussions, even if you have a coach, even if you're doing it well. Um, so yeah, your journey is just incredible and fascinating to me. Um, and really that's why I wanted you on, on here, um, to really share that because you, you kind of been at both ends, right? You've been super lean and then you've gone through your own health struggles and your own health journey. Um, so what was the step to come back? How did you heal? Like, I know you said you did the course and you worked with the therapist, but in terms of food, I'm more, more curious. Like, did you go about mm-hmm. reverse dieting? Uh, I know you talk a lot about that on your, on your page. So yeah, just kind of tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I certainly wish I went about it. I shouldn't say. I, I'm like, I'm trying to let go of the could, would, should. I definitely have some judgment in my healing um, because I did not actually know about nutrition periodization yet. Really. I hadn't learned about a reverse diet uh, at all. I wish some of my coaches had mentioned it to me. It probably would have changed my life, but I just went all in actually with Celeste. I stopped tracking, started eating whatever I wanted, uh, which definitely was freeing and appropriate for me at the time. And it contributed to a little bit of weight gain, not as much as uh, after getting COVID and a back injury has, but I was terrified and miserable of what I, what I look back and now I'm like, Oh, I wish I looked like that. So it's hilarious. But while I was recovering, I definitely felt fat growing on my body. And it was crazy. Like I kept, I felt it on my triceps. I felt it on my stomach. I felt it on my love handles. I could just literally feel it. And my husband was like, babe, you're not fat. You just have fat now. He's like trying to help me like understand this difference. Um, But I think I just, I was, I was in Japan and it was just really nice just to let loose and like go eat at these restaurants. We just had, we were in the restrictions and they got lifted. So we were able to go like to the coast in Japan and like kind of go adventure. And I just was able to eat ice cream or just try a bowl of, you know, just, just eat out and not stress or track it. And that I think was more important to me. Um, and I really wasn't worried about the quality of the food or what was in the food or any of that stuff, which eventually caught up to me because I had a thyroid issue. I had adrenal issues and and that stuff does matter. Toxins matter. And I just, that's where the shift I had to make down the road. Cause I realized while I appreciate food freedom, these foods aren't serving me and I, I need like eating out all the time. Is not good for my health? I know that I appreciate So I just needed to go through that. I did. I needed the freedom. I was recently married. I just wanted to have life that I was so not what a competitor did. I literally would bring food and Tupperwares at the mandatory fun events as a military spouse, get a plate and dump the food that I'd already pre-weighed out on a scale and then eat with everybody. And I just was like tired of doing that. Like people are like, this girl's a little bit out there. I'm like, yeah, but I look great. I look great, you know, and I was like literally forcing it and like suppressing. And uh, so, yeah, the the freedom was good. The weight gain was challenging. I actually don't think I was as prepared for it as I like, like, not that that was Celeste's fault, but we didn't really talk too much about weight gain by any means. And I was kind of on my own anyway. She wasn't like helping me with nutrition. It was just like a guided coaching program. And, you know, that wasn't what wasn't part of the course. So with my clients, I would kind of have an understanding of what they're currently eating and we would slowly increment and slowly add food back in and, you know, make sure that we're not insulin resistant if they've been too low carb for too long. I mean, there's actually, some people aren't ready to go right into a reverse diet actually, and it could be really bad for them because they're uh, there's just a lot of things we need to check off before doing it. And I didn't necessarily do that for myself um, which is okay. Cause there's so many other things that I needed just to break through I ended up finding Sam Miller science and worked with one of his coaches in the fall of 2020. And that's where I learned a little bit more about nutrition periodization. And I ended up just finishing up his mentorship in FM functional nutrition, metabolism specialization or whatever it is. And it was very informative, very overwhelming, lots of information about thyroid and the endocrine system and all this stuff that we're not taught as coaches, uh, because it does impact fat loss is such an intricate and intense process, as we know. And because of the hormonal birth controls and the chronic dieting and the metabolic adaptations that I had put placed upon myself, I really did have to learn how perceptions, like how I think my behaviors with food influence my physiology. And that's what I have to teach my clients now too. It's like, there's so many things that influence your physiology, which are what you, you want physical results, Mm -hmm. but there's so many things that go into that equation. So now with my clients there's all these biometric markers we're looking at before we even attempt a fat loss phase yeah there's all these things we want green flags for and some of them fight me on it and i'm like look there's plenty of coaches that probably won't fight you on this mm-hmm. but i'm going to because you don't want like i'm going through a rebound right now i had to gain 35 pounds i have i am my my adrenals my i mean my health in my symptoms and my insomnia. I mean, I would never want my clients to go through the health crap that I placed upon myself because of the insane restrictions and lack of guidance and mentorship that I had. So again, it's not bodybuilding's fault. There's a lot of equations. I want to be clear about that. That I I just had a lack of mentorship and I didn't even know. Like sometimes you don't know what you don't know until until you somehow know.
0: <laughs> and that's that was my journey. Yeah, no, of course. And I, I kind of relate to that as well. Because, you know, I've been there as well with my journey. And I have changed my entire approach to coaching in the last, I would say, year, year and a half. Um, and I very much now believe in really making sure that your metabolism is primed before you go into a fat loss phase even if you do need to lose weight um quickly now tomorrow you know we know clients they're all so impatient right when they come on board they want to go straight into a fat loss phase but um I mean, who hasn't yo-yo dieted? Like every single person that I've spoken to, family, clients, like we all have yo-yo dieted. We've all done crazy diets restriction in the past. So it's not really about who has or hasn't done it. It's about how much have you done of that? Because it's so, it impacts so much at your metabolism, your metabolic history and how you've, you know, basically your whole life's, experience with food um has like you said affects your physiology and you need to really be in a good place before you you go into this fat loss phase and i've changed my whole approach as well and that's pretty much something that i never used to i didn't know about reverse dieting i um you know discovered it through lane norton and um -hmm. uh, and his wife, Holly Baxter, and, you know, she's also a competitor and she's actively competing and she's always um, educating, you know, her followers on it. And it's just interesting because um, there is still, I feel, there's so much work to do because, you know, even though the fitness industry is evolving, I still feel like it's something that we are going to forever be drilling into people's heads because of the way we've grown up, because of this, you know, how fucked up the industry has been up until now in serving us, you know, the the diet industry, diet culture. And that's a whole kind of, you know, rabbit hole that we could go into for another time. But I think what I wanted to know a little bit about kind of what do you believe women need to have a really healthy relationship with food?
1: No, that is a huge question. I I
0: think, (laughs) I (laughs) think,
1: (laughs) no, it's great because I think it's more about, we've been, we're so used to looking outside, like what does this plan say I should do? What does that dietitian say I should do? What's that person doing? And, and instead of learning like intentional nourishment, like understanding. So I think if you learn about your physiology, like just human physiology, I think education, if you learn about nutrition and you learn about nutrition and fitness, you can then protect yourself from diet culture being able to pull one over on you. Yeah. Like if you see a sugar detox, be like, wait a minute every cell in my body needs sugar as a fuel. So detoxing from sugar. I was like, like, you know, you'd have to start to see through some of these taglines and be able to ask more questions. So I think there's a lot of wellness and fitness influencers out there who have a highly disordered relationship with food and they promote their disordered like beliefs as wellness. I, we already said that that was us in the past. So we have to be very careful when we're looking outside of ourselves. Like, what is she eating? Cause we've heard hopefully everyone now, cause there is this growing trend in the fitness industry. Like you, we can't eat and all work out the same and look the same. Like that seem meaning to be, be catching on, which I'm really happy to hear. So I think just really honoring this innate intuition. What I teach my clients is a concept called intentional nourishment. And it's a fusion of like, we have knowledge and sometimes they need knowledge from me. They need to learn more about macronutrients, micronutrients, whatever all that. Some of them have a really solid base. And then we need to understand our hunger cues and stop suppressing them. And sometimes we don't have them because we're living on stress hormones. So we have to work through the fact that we have just suppressed our appetite and denied our appetite so long we don't even know how to honor it. And then also fullness cues, honoring fullness cues and learning how to navigate cravings and not denying cravings. And and, and and it's like a compass, like we've got knowledge, we've got hunger cues, we've got feelings and we've got cravings and we need to learn how to navigate all of these things intentionally and knowing like, I wanna nourish myself. So how can I nourish? Like I love the word nourish. I feel like healthy got hijacked. I eat healthy, what does that mean? Leaves, lettuce? Like my, one of my friends DM'd me, you're going to be so proud of me. I'm doing the Candida cleanse. I was like, do you follow me? I was like, I am not proud. I'm actually deeply concerned. Yeah. I Can you hop on a call right now? Like, but that was seemed healthy. I was like, so again, the word healthy to me, I think has gotten hijacked by diet culture. When I teach my clients, when I just say nourish, it just feels, do you hear it? Do you feel it? Like, oh, I want to nourish myself. Like that just feels totally different. And that looks different to everybody because sometimes like food, like, and I teach my clients something called yum gross, not a technical term, but when you eat something that might taste good, mm-hmm. but doesn't feel good later, we call that yum gross. And that might be like when you eat out and it's got canola oil or some sort of food. So that's why I, 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 that's intuitive. I'm like, you know what? Like I learned some foods don't make me feel good. And I'm going to give, that's not disordered and yeah. i in therapy we approve that hey if you don't feel good eating that food it's okay to not eat it so this is again intentional nourishment and honoring yum gross letting yourself try something if it doesn't feel good that is that contrast like oh i didn't like how i felt that'll be my motive to maybe make a different decision i might forget or i might choose mm-hmm. this food's going to give me yum gross but it's going to be worth it and like sometimes you choose to eat the pizza even if it might make you feel like kind of gross but you want to eat it with your friends yeah that is still just what i mean by intentional nourishment like i'm choosing to eat this food even though i know it's not the best quality pizza and cheese and it might make me feel really crappy tomorrow morning but i can't wait just to be with my friends and just eat this yummy pizza right now yes and just let that matter most like memories over macros you know so i think for women to have a healthy relationship with food is learning how to support their thyroid their adrenals uh, do they want to have babies someday like like understanding their family plan, understanding their future goals and where they want to take themselves, understanding that I think is such a better drive. That's kind of what body neutral fitness is. Like we, we work out because we want to not just change our bodies, but we want to see how strong we can be. We want to see how fast we can run with our kids. There's all these other drivers behind the workout. And that's the same thing with fitness. Like I mean, nutrition, like I want to eat breakfast because I realize when I skip breakfast, then I overeat at night. I'm just so freaking hungry and I don't like that feeling. I just don't like how that feels. So I've realized if I'm proactive and eat a small breakfast, I just tend to like feel better throughout the day. And like, that's a way better intrinsic motivation than I'm eating this way because I want to change my body or whatever it is. Like it's, it's, I think that's the best way for women to shift is just to nourish themselves with movement, with sunlight, with food with words, self-talk, you know, I'm really working on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that approach, Megan. Um, I feel, you know, that, that it, we are shifting that the industry shifting towards, you know, really that, you know, holistic, but not in a crunchy way, right. In a more really deep nourishing on a cellular level, mental, emotional, everything all together. And I think that's really something that, Um, we really truly need. And I love this body neutral fitness because I, I don't know if you're aware, but like, I'm not a proponent of healthy at every size. Um, I'm, I'm not against it, but I'm not for it. I'm just like, you know, that's just not my vibe. It's not uh, what I believe in. Um, I'm not an anti-diet nutrition coach. However, that being said, I do believe that everybody, literally everybody, should train, strength train. Um, It strength training is not just for weight loss. Um, You can pursue health and fitness without wanting to change your body. Um, I believe that, you know, through and through, and I believe in body autonomy, like what you want to do with your body is your choice. Um, but I just don't, I don't really prescribe so much as this, this narrative that, you know, you can be morbidly obese and healthy. That is just something that I personally don't think that is, you know, really healthy. But that being said, this body neutral fitness really, when, when I saw it on your page, I was like, oh my God, we have to talk about this. I love that. And what you said is so true because it's, it's so much more than just weight loss. Like, and I think that the health and fitness industry Obviously people come in with this idea that they want to lose weight. And I've worked with clients where we've started, you know, that's, that was the goal, but then it just became something bigger and more beautiful. And it's just incredible because they, they discovered, you know, that they could be so strong and the things that they could do and pursue. Right. And I'm sure it's the same with you, with your clients.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, I want to go back to like, I also don't relate to healthy at every size or anti-diet or the body positivity communities. And when I was on Clubhouse, I was hosting a lot of talks. One about um, why, why, like, I'm not really pro intermittent fasting anymore. And uh, there's a lot of people that probably shouldn't intermittent fast. And we don't talk about those groups of people enough. So I just wanted to bring awareness about those people who need a disclaimer. Um, And uh, I met a lot of people from those communities in these chats. I used to talk about how the clean clean eating mindset is really damaging to our heart. Like that was a big talk I did in Clubhouse like weekly. So I really wanted to like hammer. I hate, I really do hate the phrase clean eating. I'm like, okay, so were you eating dirty? Like what's eating dirty? Like, and I get it because I understand I've talked about yum gross, and yum, gross, like well, that might be closer to clean eating. Like you want to eat so you don't feel gross. Like I understand the concept fully. I do, but I just think semantics are important. And when I found body neutral fitness, I just loved it because I was like, yes, like that I can relate to. Like, I want to respect my body. I want my clients to respect their body. I want us to stop and redirect negative body talk yes, I just, I want us to eat and exercise more intuitively. I want to honor our biofeedback. I want to honor resting, um, honor our cycles. I want to acknowledge negative self-talk and and not only just redirect it, but like work on reframing it. And just like you said, like clients may come on board that want to lose weight, but once they realize that they can like have more confidence and that sense of purpose and they have more stamina and they can hike better and they're more coordinated. They almost fell, but they didn't. And they have better mood and like their labs come back better. And there's all these things that start to build. They realize that like, Hey, you know, this body neutral fitness thing is a lot more fun. And I'm actually getting a lot more done when I'm focusing on like my morning routine and my bedtime routine and all of these little habits that my clients kind of smirk at at first. And I'm like, nah, because again, success is the journey. So as we're doing all these little teeny habits that because habits are what build the routine routine is what creates consistency and consistency is what you know gets us to the goal and once we're driven by these little teeny things that actually help us feel good it uh, it, it takes it from being a chore like fitness and nutrition are no longer feeling like a chore it just feels like a gift to yourself because it's coming from that different intention intention is so key and I think that's why I love body neutral fitness because it's not about like loving your body but it's like wow like you know my thighs like, are the like the biggest they've ever been right now. And whenever I feel a negative self moment or t- a word about them, I then think about how great it is to have thighs and the fact that I have legs at all and that I can exercise and that I actually my back pain's a lot better and actually my knees feeling a lot better and actually like I'm getting stronger and that's called body appreciation. And then in the research, positive body image is actually cultivated through appreciating her body not through weight loss and that's what I realized so much through my journey is even when I was my leanest I wasn't satisfied I've nitpicked her apart and I look at her now and I'm like
0: gee she's tiny, tiny. I'm tiny I can tiny. literally put myself in there like I had the exact same reaction I was kind of looking through some of my old photos maybe about seven years ago, eight years ago, and I was so much skinnier. And at the time I thought I was fat and it's like, I was 12 kilos less than I am today. You know, that's almost pretty much what, 25 pounds, 30 pounds. I'm not even Mm -hmm. sure. But it's crazy. Like you just, it's not body image is not about your body. Like it's just so much more than that. And, um, it's about this, it's, it's unattainable, like unrealistic expectations that we put on ourselves. Um, yeah, I love this body neutral fitness and I'm thinking, you know, I pretty much fall into the same camp. I just never had a label for it. And um... I just
1: wanted a label, I think almost just for marketing too, because I actually wanted to attract clients that feel this vibe. Like I, like I'm not against aesthetics either, but like some of my clients who are really itching for it and aching for it, it's still for the wrong reasons. And I'm like, look, uh, again, like just, you know, it's really still a, a real tough line to walk. And that's why I went, through uh hmcc the health mindset coach certification with coach casey joe which is sam Miller's sciences girlfriend so i've taken both their certifications mm-hmm. they're incredible though that certification talks a lot about core foundation concepts in psychology and that's what i knew i needed i knew if i was going to take a client that wanted to go into a diet phase and tell her no not for six months i better be a queen at some psychology yeah. At helping her understand why that's the best decision for her, or she'll walk. And I knew that I, and I, that's what my clients, my coaches weren't able to do for me. And that's where I knew I'm not a psychologist, I'm not that, but I can really be. And my clients who go to therapy and also work with me, they're the ones that they gain so much. They get like really good insights from me, and then they go to therapy and talk about, you know, why I did trying on that pair of pants that didn't fit mean that i've lost all my progress when just yesterday we were talking about how much stronger you are how you have healthy poops like how are we defining progress you also hired me to change your body so maybe those pants just aren't going to fit anymore because your dunk is growing and so there's like you know like you could try on a pair of pants and they don't fit because your butt's huge and you're stoked or you could try on a pair of pants and it, 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 again it's that's what what really will fix body image is shifting the mindset improving self-talk, building self-confidence, and really cultivating body appreciation. And it just takes time. It's a, it's a it's an agreement every day. And some days, actually, there's some really cool data where, depending on where you are in your cycle, seems like luteal phase, like week three and week four. Uh, it's also when we, we will have a worse body image because we're okay. also retaining our water, we're okay. more bloated, so we don't feel our best. And that's It like makes sense. I'm like, well, you are, you know, and we don't recover as well. It's just the more we understand we are cyclical in nature as females and we need to stop fighting our physiology and start honoring our physiology. know, that most research in health and fitness is based on men anyways. Most supplements research is done on men. Most it's like literally heartbreaking when you look at it's not until 2013 that they start bringing in women in some of these researches, which wasn't that long ago.
0: Crazy, crazy, crazy. Mind
1: blow. Yeah. Like
0: yeah, I mean, mind blow. Can't believe so, that. Women know. are not small men.
1: <laughs> Correct. And we're learning that the hard way. And, uh, and that's, I think, what's so cool about you and I've seen your journey and just like getting to know you before we push record and some of the similarities we've gone through. I just think that's really, really honorable, like to go through hardships and still show up every day for, our job and show up for our clients and know, I tell them all the time, I'm like, I am literally walking the walk with you. Okay. Like we're literally the same. Like I literally, and it's sometimes hard to hold space for them on a hard day for myself, which is why I also have therapy so I can have someone hold space for me. So I really think that if there's anyone listening to this, that is, you know, I just really want to stop demonizing therapy. And, you know, I feel like it's getting less and less taboo. I want to really support therapy is the best decisions I've ever made in my life. I have so much more tools and awareness and control over myself and my life, and my emotions. And I'm not perfect, but I see growth all the time. And that is really empowering. And it translates into all other areas of my life. So I wouldn't have gotten where I am post eating disorder recovery, post competition, if it wasn't for qualified therapists. But then that's also why I found certifications that would empower me to have those difficult conversations with my clients to really help them never fall down as hard as I did, or you know, really just wreck their thyroid and their adrenals like I did and ignore. Like I just did a post um, posture and I wanna really start talking about posture because I ignored my back, which I just had an exaggerated anterior pelvic tilt mm-hmm. from, co- from bodybuilding, right? From the posing. And I'd really jacked up my fascia on my right side from all the twisting from the posing. And I just wasn't doing enough um, recovery work. I just really didn't train. It's not fun to foam roll. It's not fun to go to physical therapy. I wasn't doing that side of the athleticism for longevity that maybe I didn't have time for. I couldn't afford whatever story I was telling myself. And that's where I really hurt myself with a back injury just recently. Even with all the knowledge I have, I still was driven from vanity a little bit, from aesthetics. And, uh, and that's where I think it's important with body neutral fitness is to know we don't want to build strength on dysfunction. Mm-hmm. So, if we have some pattern, you know, some issues with our movement patterns, no matter what your goal is, whether it's to like go to a race mm-hmm. or go exercise, like we've got to really make sure we're addressing these foundational things, just like metabolic health. I was yeah. like, well, your calves are really tight. Your ankles are rolling out. You've got an exaggerated forward lean. I don't really think we should be squatting too heavy right now, my friend. Let's work on ankle mobility. Let's work on some hip mobility before I'm going to load your spine up. That's a hard conversation to have as well. So I really wanted to learn the skills to speak hard truths with so much love. And my clients really understood that I'm guiding them the right way, where I wish I had someone doing that for me just even a year ago.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know? Absolutely. Gosh, there's so much there to, you know, unpack. And I really love this conversation because it's so aligned with my philosophy, how I do things. And um, and it's just it's it's an important conversation. And, you know, it's not easy as a coach when we take on clients who do want to lose weight and lose fat and change their body composition. And um, they have all these underlying issues and these um you know, body image issues or eating, disordered eating and um, a, me- a history of crazy metabolic health. And then, you know, they want the results today. And it's like, well, you know, we could do, we could give them what they want, but then at what cost, you know? And it's like, Correct. sometimes it seems like we're trying to keep them on for longer. You know, If that's not the case, but it really is the ki- the fact that To do this the right way, it does take time. It doesn't take eight weeks, 30 day challenges. It doesn't work like that. Um, It takes a good minimum of six months, minimum to one year to two years. I mean, I've been training for years now, right? But if I had done it the right way, I probably would have gotten to my goal faster. So that's the thing, right? I think it's that, that short-term right. mentality, short-term kind of, I want it now, but the time is gonna pass and then they're gonna be here again next year feeling like crap and being in the exact same place, if not worse. So we really do have to keep fighting the good fight really in the industry, because we are the ones that are different. We're doing things differently. And I'm hoping you know, that it gets better and better. And I think it will so um i do
1: too
0: yeah i think it's we're going in the in the great in a good direction rather so um okay so i do think that i wanted to kind of stop here um and i wanted to end this episode with just wanting to know kind of like what your favorite life motto slash favorite quote is it's nothing you know mysterious it's just something that I like to ask my guests (laughs) so yeah I love that just um, uh you have one yeah
1: I did I do have one but I wanted to summarize with what you just said is like so many of us have struggled with yo-yo dieting binge eating, poor relationship with food negative body image sporadic consistency with the workouts yes and so when they come to us it We, it is, we have to enter a different kind of approach before we can enter a diet. But what I think I wanted to really touch on is that achieving maintenance is actually a huge progress flex, because if we were just doing and all we've ever done is yo-yo and end up in a worse spot, that's what I keep trying to tell my clients. So I try to get them what we're going to do a reverse diet and a maintenance phase for minimum of six months. So when you come on board with me, I'm like, yes. There's a minimum of six months that so you are not even going near a deficit. The longer you're out of a deficit, the better you're going to respond. I got to remind them of that. Like, I promise it's going to be worth it, boo-boo. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just wanted to say that, like, maintenance is a massive progress flex. It still requires lots of effort and consistency, which is why I think it's not as rewarding, maybe, because we're not seeing that external justification of the scale going down <laughs> whatever, but that's what I wanted to summarize. And well, I'm, getting, I'm getting delivery. And my quote is, what you focus on, you find. And it's really helpful because when I notice just, yeah, there's so much about what you pay attention to, you're gonna continue to find over and over and over. So when, when we shift the mindset, you can also find the good. You can definitely shift. So, what you focus on, you find. What you focus on grows. And what you focus on, you ultimately become. And uh, so, just really helping me on like, well, if I'm feeling like crap, what am I focusing on right now? Yeah. Probably looking for something to be, you know, so it's never denying my feelings because all feelings are valid, but just making sure that I'm like, I believe that it can, the glass can be both empty the like it's both and that's been really helpful just
0: seeing
1: the but then moving on to a different feeling and that feels better
0: i love that gosh that's some powerful powerful stuff thank you so much megan for your story so where can people find you your amazing self
1: um people can find me on instagram it's um uh, megan m-e-g-a-n underscore me fit like making me fit megan me fit and then i have a blog i post a little more like in detail and that's megan me fit dot megan me fit com. so nothing fancy there
0: amazing
1: uh, and i'd love to connect with people that have any questions or resources uh or like want to talk more about the resources i mentioned here thanks for your time tonight babe i really appreciate it i'm really proud Thank of you, you
0: so i'm much. really honored
1: to like to know you as a coach
0: Yes, thank you so, so much. Likewise, it's been an absolute pleasure. The episode has just blown me away and I think it will really, really resonate with so many of my listeners. So thank you so much again. And guys, go follow Megan and go and support what she's doing. She's incredible her story, and what she's doing with her clients. So um, I'm going to be posting the links to all her pages in the show notes. So thanks again, Megan. Thanks again for listening, guys. And I'll see you guys in the next episode.
1: Bye now. Thanks, guys.